Sports 56 mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Diamonds are forever! Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 8.05 the time. Hour number two here on Sports 56 mornings, the Friday, October 20th, 2023 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Aaron Malloy of Memphis 901 FC will join us in just a moment. Second hour of the program brought to you by our friends at James Gaddis Jewelers, 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick on the web at gaddisjewelers.com. They are your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler headquarters. And every Monday and Friday, they bring you the Memphis Sports Fact. Did you know, with their 4 nothing win over UAB last night, the University of Memphis women's soccer team has now won 18 straight home matches dating back to October of 2021. They are also now 13-1 on the season and 7-0 in American Conference play. They wrapped up the American Conference Western Division title with last night's win. Well, speaking of soccer, a huge one tomorrow as the playoffs begin in USL Championship, and that means your Memphis 901 FC will be in action, and they'll host Louisville tomorrow at AutoZone Park. We're very pleased to be joined by Memphis 901 FC midfielder, the pride of Dublin, Ireland, Aaron Malloy, who you can follow on Twitter at Aaron Malloy 18 He leads the league with 77 chances created this season, leads the club with eight assists. That's sixth in the league, and he joins us now. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about you? Doing great. Thanks for joining us. How important is it that you were able to earn a home match and you'll be home to start the playoffs? Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely massive. Um, It was a goal for us at the start of the year um, to be able to host a playoff game. Um, I know last year it really helped having the fans behind us um, basically as a 12th man and um, we're hoping for the same thing tomorrow night. With a couple of seasons down here in Memphis, what's it been like for you? What's your experience here in Memphis playing with 901 FC? Yeah, no, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, obviously, on the field, we've had a lot of success. Um, get along with the guys. The locker room was really great. But what makes it so special is the community off the pitch. I've met some amazing people, um, make it really feel like home and, and, and have made me feel comfortable. So I had a, uh, I've been having such a great time here. There's always a lot of turnover in in sports, but specifically in soccer, you have players that come in, some that are lent from another team, some that are a part of the team. So it, how hard or challenging is it for that cohesiveness to find that chemistry when you have a lot of guys, especially guys that come from all parts of the world? Yeah, look, lucky for us, we, we kept a, a core group of the guys from last year. Um and, and we want to kick on. Obviously, we had a successful season last year. Have a, we were having a successful season this year, and we, we, we want to push on and go one more and um, bring a trophy back to uh, Memphis. Um, it, it's great having the lads come back with the experience of being in a playoff position and playoff games from last year. So we want to use that experience to, uh, to, to our advantage. What's the uh, scatter report on Louisville? Yeah, obviously, we understand historically Louisville have been very good previous years, um, but ultimately we want to focus on ourselves. Um, we know we have a good week of training, um, good good lead up to the game. We know we can be um, anybody in the league, so we're just super, we're, we're just super excited to go out there and compete. I know you went out to to New Mexico this past week with the chance to either tie or win and to claim that home field. 
Um, it didn't happen. Louisville lost, so you still got the home field advantage. I know you guys were disappointed with that performance. Is that one of those deals where just a tough road match? I know how important it was for them as well. They needed that W, but anything you take from that one or you just kind of put that one in the rearview mirror? Yeah, no, obviously what we deal with is we, 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 we lost the game, very disappointed as, as a whole, um, but we let a horse for, for that night, maybe just let a horse on Sunday, and, and obviously... We want to um, like like fix our mistakes and, and, and make sure we learn from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes to Monday, we're all go for playoffs, and that's out of our mind. Um, all the things that we've learned from the game, we want um, that obviously not happen next week. So we'd rather that game happen last week than playoffs. <laughs> right. it's, it's win, it's win, or it's lose and go home. It's win in advance, and um, we're we're just super excited to go out there and compete tomorrow. And I guess that's what, what trips like that make you appreciate when you get the home games, especially in the postseason. Yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> that said, it's a long trip out there to New Mexico. There's no doubt about that. The um, for for you coming over to America, and, and what's the kind of the comparison of soccer here that you've played versus when you're over in Ireland and other parts of the world? Yeah, I, I think I, I grew up with with soccer. Uh, we call it football back where I'm from, and we. Uh, we, we we sleep, eat, and breathe football back at home. And coming over here, it's such a big country, and it's so many great sports to be involved in as a kid. And you got obviously football, baseball, basketball, and um, I think just the difference in sports is that so many kids have all these opportunities to to play all these different sports. Whereas back at home, it's 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 where I'm from. It's everyone just wants to kick a ball around and and and, and play football. So I think. Uh, I think it's a good opportunity for kids growing up not to just be stuck with, with, with one sport and, mm-hmm. and dabble in different ones. You come over here and you go to, you start at a small school, your collegiate career, and then you end up transferring to Penn State, a huge school. What was that like? What was the college experience for you? Yeah, no, college experience for me was absolutely amazing and, and, and I, I always recommend it. Um, for me, I, I needed it to, to grow, obviously, physically, mentally um i needed a couple of years i was a late developer but i think um coming over to america i didn't really know much about NEIA, NCAA, division one division two all i know all i knew was wanted to go to america and for my education and play soccer um and after a year i i, I um penn state came knocking and it's, it's pretty hard to say no but <laughs> i had a lot of great people who's uh who, who helped me along the way um, I'd be here all day <laughs> thanking those people, mm-hmm. um, but they know who they are. But yeah, no, I had such a great experience in, in college, um, and it's something that I would recommend highly to a lot of uh, young aspiring athletes. Dart, did you uh, when you were there? Did you go to like Penn State football games? Yeah, yeah, I went to a whiteout game in 2018. Yeah. Um, I went to a handful of games. I went to a lot of basketball games, wrestling games, uh, matchups. So. Yeah, no, I tried to make uh, the most of my experience while I was there. That, 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 uh, the, the football game, I'm sure the whiteout games, that, that's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was, a, it, was, it was a whole day taken out of your, out of your schedule, but it was, it was amazing. Aaron Malloy joining us for a few more moments. They got uh, practice coming up here in just a second as they prepare for tomorrow's playoff match with Louisville. All right, Aaron, on the pitch itself, talk some X's and O's. What is it going to take specifically? What are you going to have to do to win this game and advance in the playoffs? Yeah, no, obviously we're going to have to show up. Um, and, and, and right from the goal, we've got to bring the intensity, um, let our talent take over. But again, it's, it's, it's one of those playoff games where 
sometimes it may not be pretty, um, and you're just going to have to outwork your opponents, um, and we understand how Louisville works. Um, so we've got to match the intensity and bring it just one level even more than that. And um, Yeah, just again, just super excited to go out there and compete and um, be able to do it in front of the, the home fans of Memphis. How do you compare this year's squad to last year's that obviously made the postseason as well? Yeah, no, obviously this year has been absolutely fantastic. We've had a great year, um, and like I said earlier, we, we want to push on from last year. I know last year we got to do the semi-final of the conference uh, tournament, but we, we want to kick on, and we're, we're hungry for more. We're hungry to go and succeed, and we know we got the group to do it. All right. Well, go ahead. There, there's, a, there's a history of a rivalry between Memphis and Louisville, especially at the college level. Um, do you guys look at Louisville as a rival? Um, I, I think we look at everyone as a rival. You know, <laughs> everybody that comes into Memphis, it's, and they, they want what we want, and, 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 and that's it. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, they've been on our list all year. It's, it's nothing like that. It's, it's, it's a playoff game, um, and we're, we're taking it as serious as can be, um, and, and we're just going to want to go out there and, and um, show, show the fans what we can do and what, what we've been made of and all the hard work we've been putting in this year to, uh, to, to come to fruition and hopefully get through to the next round. Yep, you had a couple of matches with them during the regular season, so both teams certainly know each other. It should be a lot of fun tomorrow. Hopefully a huge crowd, Aaron, to support you guys tomorrow night and take advantage of that home field as Memphis 901 FC will battle Louisville. We can't thank you enough, my friend. Continued success and, and good luck in the postseason. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, Aaron. Much. Aaron Malloy of Memphis 901 FC. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Aaron Malloy 18 I think it's a 5.30 start, not the usual, what, 7 o'clock tomorrow night against Louisville. But, yeah, I, I think from the history that we have in this city, Louisville, Birmingham, two of the um, soccer teams that they play in the USL Championship have to be their biggest rivals. I mean, he, might, he may not say it, but they got to be. Just the history of the, of well, the I mean, city. Well, but the, yeah, but the thing, like, I mean, I'm sure none of the players on the team, they don't have Oh, no, 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 they, 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 they don't, don't care about Louisville. I'm talking about fans. I'm talking about people that live in Memphis. It's like, oh, anytime Memphis is playing Louisville, anytime Memphis is playing a team from Birmingham, whether it be the USFL or the old XFL, obviously football this weekend with Memphis playing UAB. And speaking of that, we have talked a lot about that game this week. You heard from Trent Dilfer, the UAB head coach. You heard from Ryan Silverfield, the Memphis Tigers head football coach, as we had both those head coaches on with us live. Memphis is a six-and-a-half-point favorite against UAB, an 11 a.m. start. You broke down the game yesterday. Again, this one to me looks like as long as the Tigers don't put the ball on the ground, throw picks, and, and Seth has thrown some 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 bad interceptions, um, although I think last week against Tulane, only one of the two was really his fault. Memphis should win this game. Uh, this is a bad UAB defense. They are good offensively. They can score, I, I think, pretty well. But they are going up against, I think, a pretty solid Memphis defense. Memphis defense has had breakdowns at times. It's tough to go 
mano a mano 60 minutes versus Tulane, the physicality of that team. Uh, Memphis has certainly had their moments. They, they, they certainly did a good job in St. Louis against Missouri, although coming up short. I think UAB facing Memphis is facing a, a better defense than some of the teams they've played on their schedule. Not all of them, just some of them. And offensively, Memphis should be able to score. They should be able to run the ball. They should be able to throw the ball because if you run successfully, it will open up for the passing game. It's less than a touchdown. Again, we made our picks yesterday. We both like Memphis in this one. The Tigers should move to 5-2. and two, But they got to wake up early, as Ryan Silverfield said yesterday, and be ready to go from the get-go. And they have not had good starts for whatever the reason. Yeah, you, I mean, I mean, this is a run defense that is awful in UAB. So they, they should be able to run the ball. Um at will, everybody else has. <laughs> they they give up over 200 rushing yards per game. Um, so this is a team that you can run the football against, and um, that takes some pressure off Seth Hennigan. Then you get play action stuff going, and, and hopefully that can maybe hit some big plays over the top of their defense as well. Um, you know they're they're going to throw a lot of short passes. They try and just get the ball out of the hands of their quarterback quickly, get guys in space. If you tackle soundly and run the ball. Um, this is a game that the Tigers should win. To me, if you look at it, pretty comfortably. I don't, it would be, I if they don't win this comfortably, they have not played well at all. Other games of significance in the American Conference. You have SMU in action tonight. SMU is a three touchdown favorite in Philly against Temple. The Owls are two and five this year. The Mustangs at four and two. They just. Uh, Pulled away last week in a win in Greenville against East Carolina and now a roadie against Temple. Shouldn't be a problem for SMU. The one I'm keeping an eye on certainly is UTSA and Florida Atlantic. Both teams are undefeated in the conference. UTSA is just a different team when they have Frank Harris at the uh, controls. Uh, Two and a half point favorite is UTSA on the road uh, in Boca Raton against Florida Atlantic. And it seems like Tom Herman in his first year has the Owls starting to play better. Uh, Last week, they looked really, really good. So, again, an important game because one of these teams will pick up their first conference loss. The um, You know what's – this is is crazy about college football. We talk about all these veteran guys. The Athletic did a story about the 60-year quarterbacks around college football. There's over 40 quarterbacks who are in their sixth year, which means they were part of the 2008 18 recruiting class. Think about that. Two years do, before COVID. Do you know who the who was at the top, who the top-ranked quarterback in the 2018 recruiting class was? 2018? Mm-hmm. So these are this is the guy. These, there are guys playing college football that were in that, that that's their recruiting class. Mm-hmm. The top-ranked guy in that recruiting class played for the Jacksonville Jaguars last night, Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> That's the recruiting class. Trevor Lawrence's recruiting class has 40-some guys still in college playing football. Who are the top guys from 2018 that are still playing? That are Some of those that are playing in their 60s. Penix, Sam Hartman. Frank those, Harris? Uh, was he, was he a highly know. recruited I don't quarterback? Think, I don't think he was highly recruited. I have to pull up the story. How about but, Bo Nix? Uh, I don't remember if Bo Nix was Was he in that in class? That Does he not. go back that far? What recruiting class is that? 2018. But it's there's like oh, there's over forty of them, still some of them have like changed positions or whatever. But there's over forty guys that were quarterbacks in that recruiting class. The top two guys in that recruiting class were Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. But Trevor Lawrence feels like he's been in the NFL for 
five years. Right. He was in the recruiting class of guys who were still playing college football. Wow. <laughs> I was like, gosh, dang. That is bizarre to me. Yeah, I wonder who those other guys are. I know Zach's feverishly trying to find that out. But, yeah, I mean, look, when you have a quarterback who has been around the game a long, long time and is productive, I mean, you have such an advantage over most of the teams you play. And to have veteran guys. That's why, again, Frank Harris has been at UTSA since the Fillmore administration. He's been there forever, and he's really good. And he was hurt at the beginning of the year. So people kind of poo-pooed UTSA. Memphis knows firsthand about UTSA and Frank Harris from several years ago. What do you got, Zach? Uh, So you got Justin Fields Mm -hmm. in his recruiting class. By the way, I didn't know Micah Parsons was in his recruiting class. Yes, Yes, he was. There was a, the, the recruiting class was amazing at the top. Like, the, that, like I was looking just at the recruiting class, like all the positions. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this was a hell of a recruiting. So you class. got Fields, you got Lawrence. What other quarterbacks do you see? Still trying to scroll through. It's not. It's not active. So right. Okay. Right don't don't, don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Um. So anyway, yeah, that's um a, a big advantage. That's why UTSA in the American Conference, despite the slow start, they didn't have Harris. He was banged up. Frank Harris is really good. And we'll see what happens this weekend so, against uh, a, an improved Florida Atlantic team. All right, you got a bunch of guys that are in the NFL, but the, the guys who are remaining in college, Michael Penix, Jordan Travis, Sam Hartman, Cam Rising, Devin Leary. Um, Rising hurt. Leary is struggling Jack a little bit. Jack Plummer, Joe Milton. Jack Plummer was 2018? Yes, JT Daniels. Tanner Mordecai. Right. Okay. Who's out now with an injury? Emory Jones, Brennan Armstrong, Spencer Sanders. Wow. Austin Reed, Alex Bowman, Casey Thompson. Uh, let's see here. That is so hard to believe. These guys were in the class of 2018. The James Madison quarterback, Jordan McLeod, is part of that. Yeah. Okay. Of that recruiting class. I mean, we're a couple of months away from 2024, for goodness sakes. And again, yeah. And then. In the end, those are again. These are all same guys. They were all in the same recruiting class as Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, Tanner McKee, Matt Corral, Will Levis, Clayton Toon, Brock Purdy, and Zach Wilson, who are all in the NFL. Wow! So Harris is not in that 2018 class. No, he's probably in the 2017 oh, class. <laughs> yeah, they. I yeah, because they would list him in this amongst the ones that were still playing. I would think. Um. I do not I didn't go all the way to the bottom of this one. No I big deal. They would have listed him higher because he's a. I don't know how the order they listed chose to list these guys. I don't. Know if, I think it was based on kind of what they're doing right now. But yeah, then there's a bunch of guys who have like switched positions or um, aren't really like J.T. Shrout at Arkansas State, part of that recruiting class. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. When I saw that Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> was in the recruiting class of guys who were playing college football still. Like, my mind cannot compute that whatsoever. Frank Harris, by the way, is 24 years of age. He's 24. Well, all these guys, I mean, they're at least yeah. 24. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think he's got to be in that, either he's down low in that class, which is hard to believe, or he could have been maybe he's probably a, the he's 2017 probably, class. He's probably 2019. You think he's 2019? But I don't. East Coast Wings and Grill, folks. 
There could be a lot of football action going on over the weekend, along with Major League Baseball playoffs, all kinds of stuff to watch. And when you want to watch it and enjoy great food, great drinks, great people, great atmosphere, head over to East Coast Wings and Grill, located just off Highway 64 between Lowe's and Walmart. You can go in there. they got TVs all over the place to watch all the games. 24 draft beers on tap for you to enjoy. Well, of course, they've got plenty of other beers by in bottles, cans, whatever you need. They've got the drinks taken care of, but 24 draft beers on tap, including a lot of the local beers, which is great. they got, of course, wings, 60 different flavors for you to choose from, plus burgers and flatbreads and other sandwiches and salads, all kinds of great stuff on the menu to enjoy when it comes to food. Plus, they got great servers, great people, and it's always just a good, fun place to watch all the action. Again, East Coast Wings and and Grill, located just off Highway 64, 3.30 until 6.30, Monday through Friday is happy hour, so you can enjoy some great drink specials during happy hour from 3.30 to 6.30, Monday through Friday at East Coast Wings and Grill. Frank Harris, class of 2017, as a true freshman, and think about this, this is three years before COVID. I don't know about you, but it seems like to me COVID was 10 years ago. Maybe some feel it was yesterday. I don't know. 2017. He's a true freshman at UTSA. 2017, redshirted that year. 2018, missed the season due to knee injuries. As a redshirt sophomore in 2019, he started four games before separating his shoulder and missing the rest of the year. Then during his redshirt junior year, he breaks out, um, has a huge year. He helps lead them to a berth in the 2021st Responder Bowl. Then in 21, he starts 14 games, puts up 3,177 yards and 27 touchdowns with six picks. That's 2021. Uh, 2022, 4,000 yards and 32 touchdowns. Uh, Now you got 2023 as it is his seventh year at UTSA. His seventh year. He probably has more degrees than Brady White. Hard to believe. When we come back, our buddy Steve Macy from the Memphis Showboats will join us. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Don't you just love it? Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everybody. Halfway home on this Friday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. So here we are approaching November, for goodness sakes. You turn around and you go, oh my gosh, we are not that far away from another season of the Memphis Showboats. Now, there are a lot of questions as to what exactly is going on with professional football here in the city of Memphis. But what we do know is the Memphis Showboats, who were a hit last year in their return, are definitely going to be back. They're definitely going to be playing football at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. And they are out and about around this city promoting uh, a big select the seat event. They are out there. They are showcasing their wares. And we have a guy who has some of the answers, but maybe not all the answers, joining us, our good buddy Steve Macy, who's the director of marketing for the Memphis Showboats. You can follow 
him on Twitter at Steve Macy. What's up, my friend? How are you? Good to see you guys. Hey, I'm doing I'm doing good. Got got the voice of the showboats over here. We got uh, the, the big man on campus, the director of marketing, Steve Macy, and I got a million questions for you. But before we are you going to go rapid fire? Like, hey, you know, you've got ten seconds and answer as many questions as possible. I could do that. Nice. It's, it's, it's like tri- it's like a game show. We're going to see you. <laughs> nice. Sweet. You, know, you know what's funny? I, I'm leaving. Never mind. I'm out. Have you guys seen the new game show called um, Snake Oil? No, but I I, I want to watch that. Okay. It looks awesome. The reason I bring that up is they they have the sixty second rapid fire to ask the dudes. Good, questions. I'm glad you weren't accusing me of selling snake no, no, oil. No, 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 no. I was like, ah, oh, crap. Where are we going with this thing? I'm out of here. No, but the Twice. funny the funny thing is they they have sixty seconds. If the person right there, they know they're kind of BS because one's BS and one's not, just kind of delay the answer. And the 60 seconds goes fast. You know what I'm saying? Don't rapid fire. An- you can rapid fire questions if you answer them quickly. But if you slow down your roll on the answer. So do like a, a British person that, you know, they, they typically have a nice pause. <laughs> well, you know, I can't do British accents. You know, they, they just, they're slow in their cadence. Exactly. And you get right. one question. You get the nice. one darn question. All right. So we got the question. How did we go down this route? Well, I don't know. You got some of the answers. We'll get to that in a second. But first, things first and that's this big select the seat event that's coming up on sunday yeah so we are going to be the first tenant that's going to be dealing with the construction that's going on at the stadium and we're look we're assuming that it's going forward uh, we're being a good partner in this and that we know we have to every, last year we set everybody on the press box side on that west we're moving everybody to the east side so we have to have a complete reseating and we've been promoting put down a 25 dollars deposit for the past few months People that put down that deposit, they're in, they're going in order right now to select their new seats on that east side of the stadium. Uh, we've started off with the digital, and so if you were if you put your deposit down like the first day, then you were able to select your seats yesterday, and we're going in order uh, when you put down your deposit. But for those that want to kind of have that physical opportunity to go literally look at their seats on Sunday, we're having select times for people to come in. Look at the seats. They can take the tags right off the seats. Um, if we have them color coded, so if you are in the blue section of your price point, you can go out in the stadium and look at all the seats that have the blue color coded with it, or you can upgrade to a different spot if you want to. And so that'll be during the time. But then at, starting at five o'clock on Sunday, we're going to have a public public opportunity for anybody that has put down a deposit. They just I want to go see what's available. Uh, and as part of that day, we've got our inflatables for the kids. We'll have Derek Dillon, the uh, USFL Special Teams Player of the Year, will be out there doing autographs. We'll have locker room tours. We, we've got food and beverage available, merchandise. And for anybody that buys two season tickets, uh, for every two season tickets, you get a bobblehead, which I brought you guys today. Which Thank you. Love USFL bobblehead. bobblehead. It looks good. So that's kind of the incentive to make Sunday a really fun day. But for us, it's important to get people seated and say, all right, this is where you're going to be this year. Uh, ran into some people yesterday. We did an activation at the Memphis soccer game, and gosh, are they good. Um, but ran into a guy, and he says, hey, I picked my seats. He goes, I upgraded. He, goes, I, I, he said, I couldldn't help it. I had to upgrade. <laughs> so I was like, attaboy, thank you, sir. And uh, so it's been a fun little week this week as uh, getting ready for this big event on Sunday. And I would imagine ever since – the merger was announced you guys have been barraged with questions about this but again the main point that is out that you want to make is that when you don't know a whole bunch about what the league's going to look like but you know that there's going to be the memphis showboats playing football there is and as, as part of a, an official merger and there's a lot of national laws and the fcc's involved and all of these things and we're only allowed to say certain things 
but the certainty is we we wouldn't be spending money on bobbleheads and events and you know being a sponsor of the Memphis Tigers and sponsoring of other events if we weren't coming back. I mean, Memphis has always been a big part of the USFL's uh, rise to prominence in the spring football league. That that was important to them. That's why they came back. Um, it was emphasized to me many many times that how Memphis does is going to be indicative of how the league's going to do long term. And so we did well last year. Memphis is part of this. We signed a new two-year lease on the stadium. Um, we're part of the chairman's circle. Uh, we spend money on that to be part of that for the uh, Memphis Visitors and Bureau. You know, sorry, I'm sorry, the chamber. And so we're doing things that will tell you that we're here. And look, personally, they're paying for me, right? You know, I mean, I'm on salary here, and they wouldn't be doing that if we weren't coming back. So clearly. The Memphis Showboats are part of this and will be part of whatever the league ends up looking like. All right, so one of the questions is, and again, I don't think you have the answer yet, is when will the season be? Will it be like it was with the USFL last year in its return, or will it be closer to after the Super Bowl like it was with the XFL? Because I would imagine that maybe that's one of the one things that makes people a little apprehensive to buy the tickets now because they don't know when the season is. Well, I think there's going it, to – look, it's going to be in the spring. And my, my best guess would probably be somewhere in the middle. Uh, we were already discussing as a league whether that April 15th was the right start time or not. Uh, especially for the Southern hubs. Uh, the other thing that was happening was we recognized quickly that the afternoon games in Birmingham and Memphis were, uh, were they were tough on the fans. I mean, we knew that. I think those of us that live here knew that. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, there was the TV side. And, and to Fox's credit, they said, hey, look, for this season three of the USFL, season two here in Memphis – they were looking strongly at saying, let's try to get as many night games as possible to make it as fan-friendly as possible. And, you know, as we've gone through data and looked at uh, attendance numbers and all those things, we realize, you know, we know that that's, that's helpful. And, and I knew it intrinsically just from my days with the Tigers is that, you know, an afternoon game when it's hot, yeah. people aren't coming. Or when it's raining, people aren't coming. That's just the way it goes. But one other cr- interesting data point, Detroit and Canton – which are two kind of considered NFL markets. They did better on Sundays than Saturdays, but Birmingham and Memphis, which are definitely college markets, did better on attendance on Saturdays than Sundays. Isn't that interesting? And you start thinking about it. And I I heard that, and I started laughing. I said, you know, I know that in my heart I felt a Sunday game's weird. You know, just because I've been in the college game for so long, and that hit so true, and then having the numbers bear that out was fascinating But here's here's another point. Birmingham, Memphis, Bible Belt. Canton, Detroit, not. Yeah, but I, I think it's I think it's a, a lot, lot of more about to, what you're used to because I didn't even think okay. about. You're used to football you know, I, on Saturday. Okay, you're used to football on Sunday. Correct. To, that's when you go to games. That's when you go to games, and I think that it was a fascinating thing to hear. Yeah, that. it is. The, the um, the one thing you know, you would like last year there was a lot of talk during the like okay, and it has been it can really two different leagues survive and exist and succeed in this. So long term, this seems like it would be way better because while yes it sucks that there are going to be people losing jobs and all that stuff because you're taking but condensing the talent pool down you should get better football um you're getting some you hopefully will get some markets that were really successful as far as the xfl is concerned you take those successful markets and kind of put them all together this seems like you know we've had many of these leagues come and go the merger of these two on the surface looks like it has a really real good chance to succeed long term 
I think you're I think you're dead on right. There was there was never going to be a long-term solution for two spring leagues when spring leagues have struggled in the past. Nobody it did, believed it, it. It didn't make sense. So mm-hmm. I thought there was going to be one more year of this, and then year three would be, all right, the XFL has lost enough money. They can't continue. Do we absorb them? How does this work? And so I think, in general, this is good that it's happened this fast because I think it's a year ahead of where I thought it was going to be. And this is only good for spring football. And I think spring football needs to happen. You see a number of guys in the NFL that played in the XFL or the USFL. Yep. It just means that there weren't enough opportunities for football at the professional level in general. And I think Memphis and other markets are worthy of professional football, whether it's the NFL or not. This is one of those markets that we don't have enough football. You know, We've got the fall, and then we have the bowl game, and then we're done. And I think this is a good thing for the city of Memphis and for us to say, hey, we have professional football here. Embrace it, love it, and make it our own, I think is good. But yeah, to your point, Eli, this is going to be really good. And and one of the bigger things is you had these two – kind of competing TV entities going yeah. at it. So you had ESPN and ABC never mentioning the USFL. Yeah. And you had Fox and NBC completely ignoring the XFL. Mm-hmm. Now if you have all of these entities working together to say, let's make spring football work, they're going to be promoting it. And we all know that those TV entities promote the stuff that's on their air, just mm-hmm. like we do on radio. The teams that are on this station are promoted all the time. Yeah. And so that's going to be a really, really good thing for spring football in general. Yeah, and if, if the NFL embraces it like it should, it's going to really get that seal of approval. From I, I can't imagine the NFL not embracing right. it. Exactly. Because we're not trying to say we're the NFL. We're not trying to say we're you know we, we're going to be signing NFL guys to compete. We're saying this is this is to handle coaches, administrators, players, trainers that haven't had that opportunity that still want to compete well, at that I mean, level. It just became the USFL's down, downfall of the original one. The number of guys, as you said, who are playing in the NFL, but like those guys who are on practice squads in the NFL and then can do this in the spring, it first helps them make a little bit of money. But but it gives the NFL free looks at those guys yep. 100%. in games. Like, yep. you know, if they're in a practice squad all year, we see them in practice, but we don't see them actually in games. Now we get to see them in football games and watch what they're able, capable of doing. Yeah, yeah the like Dave Rosano would say, you know, it gives these guys an opportunity to have some film, yeah. right? I mean, it just it gives them film. Okay, so you've done a great job in answering our questions, but there's a lot more questions. This is the portion of the interview where you're not going to have any answers, but I'm going to throw out the questions anyway. This doesn't surprise me in the least. Is The Rock going to be involved? I think, I think when you talk about a merger, I'm, and I don't have any idea, but my guess is that since he's the major part of the ownership of that, that he will be involved in, in the future because it's a merger. Will the pod system still exist? We don't know yet exactly how that's going to look. Um, I'm hopeful that we can find a way to have a home for everybody in their homes. I think that's the good long-term solution. Now, it's a lot more expensive. You know, we saved money, and I think the USFL showed that you can build it slowly and smartly. And we used a lot of Fox Sports resources from personnel, like our, all of our social media is done by people that already have social media jobs. We didn't hire new people, so. The economies of scale will matter, um, but I think as the merger goes forward, and, and, and look, as spring football goes forward, we need to have homes for everybody long-term. Yeah. What cities other than Memphis are you confident that they're going to be back and playing football? I think it'd be hard to envision where Birmingham and Detroit weren't weren't part of it. I don't know, but you know, those are two other markets that we're doing something similar that we're doing here in Memphis where we are we're engaging with the community, we're doing ticketing, 
Um, we're doing events. We're we're spending money in the marketplace. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in Canton yet. We're still we're still. We love being part of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think it's a good fit for spring football to oh, have yeah. mm-hmm. a home there in some way, shape, or form. I just don't know how that's going to look. All right, final and, one for and me. You would think with the XFL, if you think St. Louis would have to be a part of this, if at all. Absolutely. Like, I mean, with, I, you, with what they did. You look at what St. Louis, Washington D.C., San Antonio, with their, yeah. but especially St. Louis, you'd sit there and look at it and go, "How would they not be part?" Absolutely. of Absolutely. And the thing too with the Rock. The Rock's a pretty popular guy. Like yeah. it would make sense to want The Rock. Involved. No, no, like, just for promotion's sake, having The Rock around is never going to be a bad. Yeah, I, just, I, just, want I really have no idea what his what his roles or responsibilities, and and he may walk well. I don't. I just don't know. Do you know? Again, another question: If it would be more on uh, games that would be on the network that carried USFL, which was Fox, or ESPN, which carried the I XFL. I think the, the TV stuff's going to be interesting, and I think that's the important part is that these TV partners are staying involved, and I think yeah. that's that's the good thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions. So the two different leagues had different player uh, unions, so that's got to be figured out. Uh, two different officiating groups, wow. two different sets of rules. Obviously, the time timeline of what the, the uh, season started and stopped needs to be figured out. The playoff system, uh, the scheduling system, divisions or not divisions. Well, it's just the rosters too. Like you guys got rosters and you're signing players. Like does Correct. the XFL team bring their roster? You are, are our guys redrafted? All that. You know, stuff? we've got we've got two different groups of people that are doing marketing, two different groups of people that are doing sponsorship sales, media relations. Jeez. So all of these things have to be brought together in some way, shape, or form. And so, yeah, the questions you're asking are are important for the fans to understand, but the internal workings as well. There's <laughs> There's a, there's a list, man. <laughs> Final thing. Do you guys know if Todd Haley will be back as head coach? Oh, I haven't even talked talk, talk to Todd or heard anything about it, so I don't know. Man, man. I, I mean, I, I just don't know about coaching staffs either. Like, if yeah, they can expand them, they're going to leave them the same. If there's if there's 16 teams total now, are we coming back with 16? Or if, we, okay. if we're contracting, are we going to expand yeah. the coaching staffs and the rosters so that everybody keeps a job or keeps a role? All those things, I just don't have any idea where we're at now. You know what's interesting? Do you, have, I, do, you, do you have any idea of like when this all has to be figured out by? So yesterday? No, I think it's there's still enough time. But I, you know, we're hoping to have some sort of answer from the FCC by the end of the month, and that means mm-hmm. that I'm not in the room, but I'm guessing the XFL and the USFL people are are working hard to to come to some solutions and all the things I'm listing of saying, how are we going to handle each of these areas? And so there's a lot of stuff going on in the background that hopefully we have some clarity soon. And But I think the most important thing for for us right now is knowing that the showboats are here, the showboats are here to stay. This is Memphis's team. I mean, that, that's what's the exciting part is I think this merger just makes that so much more solidified mm-hmm. going forward. Yes, we have a lot of questions, but now we know there's a long-term success possible. So for the event on Sunday again, if people if you've made the deposit or anything else, but if, if you do have it, like you can just show up. You can well, you can go to theusfl.com and look at ticketing information now. Theusfl.com. You could put down a twenty five dollar deposit, and then you'll get a timeline a time that you can come on Sunday, or you can just come at five o'clock. Five o'clock. Come out. Right. Come out at five o'clock. Look around. Have some fun. Meet Derek Dillon. Hang out with the cheerleaders and the mascot. Get some pictures. Go see the locker room. Uh, even if you don't buy anything, come enjoy us on, from 5 o'clock on. 
All right, Steve. Thank you as always. Appreciate Great to see it. you guys. He is Steve Macy, the Memphis Showboats Director of Marketing. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve Macy. Folks, for lunch or dinner, Corky's Ribs and Barbecue is always a great option, a Memphis staple for four decades. They've also specialized in catering. So when you do some tailgating this spring, watching Showboats games or anytime, it's a great time to get some Corky's. They'll start you out as low as $8.99 per person for their catering services. They have lunch specials every day, party packs starting at just $7.49. When you go in for lunch or dinner, you grab yourself an entree, get a rack of ribs. That's a third of a rack of ribs, excuse me, third of a rack of ribs for just $6.99 when you purchase an entree. Maybe their barbecue sandwich, their award-winning catfish plate, their tamales. Yes, they have a lot more than just that great barbecue. Four convenient locations in the Mid-South, Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville, Germantown Parkway in Cordova, and Goodman Road in Olive Branch. And to ask about their private party room. you got an event coming up. You're looking for a place to have it. Uh, why not uh, in Cordova or Olive Branch at those two locations with the private party room from Corky's. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. We're talking some Major League Baseball postseason when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. To reveal the full spectrum of its dazzling color. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Coming up in our final hour, Brandon Lang, handicapper extraordinaire, will join us. And then we'll have 10 in a row, the game show that has swept the nation. The Grizzlies tonight in Milwaukee to take on the Milwaukee Bucks in their final preseason game. For the record, the Grizzlies are 2-2 two and two in the preseason, but that doesn't matter. What matters is next Wednesday when they open up the season at home against the New Orleans Pelicans. But we will see Marcus Smart tonight. Not sure how long he'll play, but Marcus Smart will make his debut for the Grizzlies. Yes, indeed. be nice to see him out there. Um, kind of see uh, what this. I assume this will kind of be treated as that dress rehearsal for next week. Um, some over unders for the Grizzlies players. Some of the players for the season. Marcus Smart's over under twelve points per game. Twelve points per game. Okay, let me think about this. Um, I'm trying to add some of the guys in my head. Bain, twelve points a game. I'll say yes, because he's going to get a lot more opportunities for the first 25 games. So you need him to, I think if you're going to bet the over, you need him to come out of the first 25 sitting comfortably 16. above it. Because I, I, obviously the opportunities will, yes, the, the shots will disappear quite a bit from the first 25 to after that. But I do, I think he very well, I think he, I would bet the over. I would too. Uh, six assists per game is his number there. Jaron Jackson Jr., his over-under, 20.5 points per game. Oh, under. No way he's averaging 21 points or more. Jaron Jackson Jr.? He was like 19 last year. No way. 
No, but I'm looking at now, I'm looking at with, with Bain, I think it's going to be more of a force offensively. Bain's the guy I'm looking to, explo- looking to explode. Yeah, you don't have job for the first 25 games, so you need more uh, of an offensive output from Jaron Jackson Jr. But uh, Marcus Smart will take some of those points away. It depends on whether or not he's starting Kennard, but I think he'll start Zaire. But Zaire, you know, if he's shooting the three ball well, there'll be some points from him. I don't, I don't, I don't see Jaron Jackson Jr. at 21 or more points. I'm going to go under. Uh, Jaron, seven rebounds, uh, two and a half blocks is his number. Desmond Bain, 22 points per game. Yeah, I'm going to go over. I think Desmond Bain, when it's all said and done, is going to average about 24 points a game. Bain last year, what did Bain average last year? Why don't I see Desmond Bain? Oh, Desmond Bain averaged 21 and a half last year. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say he's going to increase that. His uh, 42 and a half percent three-point percentage, which last year he was at just under 41%. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one to call. I wouldn't bet that one. That's going to be close. Steven Adams, seven and a half points and seven and a half rebounds. I'd go over on the rebounds. I think he could average about nine rebounds per game. <laughs> Points-wise, I don't know. I wouldn't play that one. And then Luke Kennard is 10 points per game. If he pulls the trigger, and he, he should be able to average 10, but I don't know about that one. Maybe more like nine, nine and a half a game. What did he do last year? When Adams, he... Adams averaged 8.6 points per game last year. Adams averaged 11 and a half rebounds last year. Yeah. That, that rebound number seems weird to me. At it, well, they, I mean, they expect Jackson to start rebounding more, being more aggressively. But, yeah, Adams is an over with the rebounding. Points-wise, I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit more than I thought he had averaged last year before he got hurt. But I would go under. And then Kennard, what did he average last year when he arrived? Uh, 11.3. Okay. So I guess I'd go over with Kennard. I guess I would go over. Uh, Astros Rangers today, 407, game five in Arlington. You have Justin Verlander, the crafty veteran. He'll be going for the Houston Astros. Jordan Montgomery, who was terrific in game one, will go for Texas. All of a sudden now, the momentum is completely shifted, as I expected. You know, I should have, if I was smart, I should have dropped a few dollars on the Astros when they were down 2-0 in the series. It's not over by any stretch of the imagination because the Astros don't play that well at home. But they have a great chance today to go up 3-2 in the series. They win on the road. They win in Texas. That's what they do. They win in in Dallas, they don't win in Houston. Uh, they win in <laughs> parts in, of Texas. They win in Arlington, but not in Houston. Very strange for whatever reason. Did that the play last night with the tag on the finger of the batting club in the back pocket is just isn't that crazy? That is amazing to think that like that's what it could come down to is a batting glove in the back of a guy's pocket and the finger sticking out of it is what gets tagged and replay shows clearly he tagged the finger of that batting glove and so a guy's out. Well, you're going to see a lot of things with replay, but also in this day and age of baseball where guys wear body armor up at the plate, you see sometimes the hit by pitch that just grazes a little bit of the forearm protection or whatever they have um, on their body, where it wouldn't be 
obviously that that why the width would not be there if they didn't have that extra stuff, but they do. So yeah, we've seen a lot of crazy things. But I'm gonna, the I'm gonna guess Marcus Simeon may never may may not put the batting gloves in his back pocket. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. He may hand those well, to the first base or, coach. Say you hold on to these, get these because it just cost me. Or shove them in there deep because yeah, it's uh, it, it was crazy. Uh, but the um, announcing team was right on top of that. Jordan Alvarez now, by the way, in the postseason this year, slugging at. A thousand sixty-five. <laughs> you got that's not his OPS. That's just his slugging. His OPS is over fifteen hundred in yeah. the postseason. Now he he's he's crazy. Alvarez is crazy. We talked yesterday about um like Castellanos is having a great postseason. He's slugging like eight sixty something. We Alvarez th- is at one thousand sixty-five. Now we we were talking about was a Christian Javier who's been like incredible in the postseason. You got Alvarez, Altuve shows up every time in the postseason. He's great. You know, guys like Springer and all. My God, they and, and Alvarez is slugging 1,065, and he had a home run robbed from him in the postseason. Yeah, Springer's going no long. You could add another thousand. You could add another home run to that, and it would go. I mean, it's it's insane what he continues to do. Yeah, Springer's no longer there, but they have got Brantley guys that always show up for them and of course yesterday they get a three-run bomb from Jose Abreu meanwhile the Phillies lose in the bottom of the ninth inning uh Cattell Marte who's been the one consistent hitter for Arizona in the po- at least in this series I mean he seems to have a good rip every time up at the plate he gets a base it off Craig every postseason Kimbrell. game he's ever played he's had a hit has he really? Yes, his twelve game hitting streak in the postseason, twelve for twelve. I knew he was uh, again swinging the bat well in this series, despite the Diamondbacks being pretty anemic offensively. Every time he would come up, he would he would smack it hard off the Phillies pitching staff, and they haven't done much of that. Uh, they get a win though, two to one. Great pitching uh, by the Arizona Diamondbacks. By the way, tickets could be bought for as low as fifteen dollars to be in the ballpark to watch a World Series game. The cheapest seat. For the Phillies game two against Arizona, it was $250. 15 bucks you could be in the park to watch that game. Diamondbacks beat the Phil. So today is game four, Not seven, a World oh, seven. Game. I'm sorry, a, a National League Championship Series game. But no, nevertheless, postseason game, 15 bucks. Uh, Christopher Sanchez for the Phillies today. Is it Joe uh, Matipley? Mantipley going Man for. Apply. Man, apply. Sorry, I've never heard of the guy. He's a left-hander. He will go for the Diamondbacks as they try to even up the That's, series. I assume that is. Uh, I don't think that that is basically an opener. I believe that that will be a bullpen game. Oh, it's a bullpen game. Okay, so he's mainly a bullpen pitcher. Man, applied. Never heard of the guy. All right, when we come back, hour three, Brandon Lang will join us as he'll break down some of the big NFL college football games as he does each and every Friday. Then ten in a row. The game show that has swept the nation before we get on out of here and get our weekend started. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56, 98.5 FM.